3. So we're going to look one of those small epistles over there toward the back. Now, the New Testament, of course, only got four chapters. We're going to look there tonight with the help of the Lord, and I hope it'll be a help and a blessing and encouragement to you um, as well. And it's good to have Sister Melanie and also Sister Ridgeway here with us tonight as well. Good to see everybody else. We, a lot of times I forget to welcome our Facebook and live stream folks and those that listen by way of the phone. And if you know somebody that's elderly that does not have um, the technology of, of the Internet and uh, they've got a landline, then they can get them hooked up and they can listen to our services live. And uh, so just keep that in mind. But tonight, Colossians chapter number 3, this is where the Lord has uh, sort of kept our heart. The other night, I, Wednesday night, I came armed to preach a message. It's a little bit different uh, than what I came armed with on Wednesday night. And I'll probably be back this coming Wednesday with a study of the life of David. We looked at him a little bit thus far. We looked at his adolescent years, and then we looked at his adult years. And we'll be focusing on his ancient years, if the Lord will allow us to. Now that I've told you that, there probably ain't no way in the world I'll ever uh, be able to preach that. Somebody asked me here a while back, I was doing a funeral, as Seth Wooten's one asked me, and he said, he said, Preacher, when are you going to start putting your sermons out there on the sign? I said, it won't do no good. Just as soon as I put one out there, uh, that probably won't be what we're preaching on. That's probably what will happen. But uh, anyhow, I believe in being prepared and being ready, but also being, believe in following the Spirit of the Lord as I've said numerous, numerous times, you'd be a whole lot better off of God's message than you would with Brian's message. There's a lot of things I'd love to preach, but uh, just ain't been able to. But tonight, this is where we are, Colossians chapter number 3. If you found your place, if you could stand with us, honor reverence to the reading of the Word of God. I'll give you some background in just a minute. I believe it would be a real simple thought if I can ever get through the introduction. But Colossians chapter number 3 and verse number 22 is where we're going to begin reading. Colossians 3. In verse number 22, the Bible said, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Now let's pray. Father, as I bow God in your presence, Lord, again tonight, saying, Lord, we sure do love you. God, I'm glad I remember that day, Lord, that you've changed my life. Lord, I ain't always been what I needed to be, but God, I thank you for saving me, forgiving me of all of my sin. I praise your name for that tonight. Thank you for the blessed word of God, and I pray that you'd help every person, Lord, that's listening, help this feeble preacher now to decrease it. Jesus may be increased and lifted up. I pray that he'd have the preeminence in this service right now. I pray that you'd save the lost, help the saints of God do a work that only you can do, and we'll be careful to give you thanks and give you praise for all that you do. We ask these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated tonight. We've read out of Colossians chapter uh, number 3, probably a familiar passage if you've, if you've looked at that at some point or the other, and probably chapter 2 is probably the most familiar that we'll read here in just a second. But when you look at the, by way of introduction, we think about the purpose of the book of Colossians. And of course, this was to the church in Colossae. It was a city uh, that was founded, spoke about over there in the book of Acts, and we see some of this unfolding here. And the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, is pinning this letter unto this church. And, and the purpose of Colossians, I believe, is at least threefold. When you look at this, I believe it was for stabilization and for 
refutation. They needed to refute some things, and it was for instruction. Those three areas that I believe we can look at. I'm just going to hit just a couple passages by way of introduction, but we think about chapter number 2. What was the purpose of the book or the epistle, this letter, to the church in Colossae? Well, the church needed stabilization, as you and I do. What we call that today would be discipleship. Once a person is saved, that's why it's important. That's why uh, Sunday school is important. That's why everything, that when the doors are open, if possible, try to be here. That's part of your stabilization. It'll help you in your growth. Again, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 18, it wasn't a suggestion. God didn't say, well, you know, if you feel like doing it. No, he said, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's our responsibility to grow and to be stabilized once we get saved. Now, if somebody's listening tonight and you've never been born again, you've never been saved, your greatest need is to trust Christ. But once you get saved and you call on the name of the Lord, there's a stabilization period from then until the day that you die. We can never take our foot off the, pe- off the pedal. We can never sit in our spiritual hammock with a twig in our mouth and say, man, I'm at ease because you can't do that because there's a constant battle in the Christian life as we move forward. But they needed stabilization. And this is what he told them in chapter number 2. And verse number 6, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. Now walking is directional. When you're walking, you're aiming for a point. And he said, As you've received Christ, so aren't you been saved? He said, Walk in Him. And then look at verse 7. Rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Giving. So we could say one of the purposes of the book of Colossae was the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of God, is writing this letter to encourage the believers there that are saved to be stabilized and rooted and grounded in the truth of God's Word. But there was another reason that I said just a moment ago. Not only was the purpose of Colossians for stabilization, but it's also for refutation. In other words, there were some things going on that needed to be refuted. Look at verse number 8 of chapter number 2. There were folks that, that, were, that were basing their decisions off of philosophy. The Bible said there in chapter 2 and verse 8, beware. Now, all of us know, and you don't see this as common today as you used to, but sometimes when somebody had a big dog, you pull up on somebody's property, you've been door-to-door ministry, it says, beware of the dog. Well, instantly you're looking, how big's the dog? It gets your attention and it catches you. And he said, beware. So you're looking for a dog. Well, the same holds true when the Lord said, beware. But we ain't looking for a dog here. Notice what he said, beware. Lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. He gave us a warning here. And so there was some refutation that needed to take place. You can read on down. Chapter number 2, evidently there were some that thought that they were superior spiritually because they, they were involved in worshiping angels. And that needed to be refuted. How do you know? Well, look at verse number 18 of chapter 2. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. And not holding the head. If you'll notice, that head is capitalized. 
That's not it, but that's a person, none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the head of the church. It's worth hitting again. A lot of folks say, well, Brother Howard, the church is going down. Can I tell you, it's an impossibility for the church to go down because our head is seated in the heavenlies at the right hand of the throne of God, making intercession for you and I. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. But this crowd was worshiping angels, not holding on to the head, who is the Lord Jesus, goes on to say, from which all the body, and again the church is likened unto the body, by joints and bands, having nourished, ministered, and knit together, increaseth with the increase of God. So these purposes, by way of introduction, what's Colossus? What was the reason? They needed stabilization. They needed to be rooted and grounded after they got saved. They needed refutation. Again, to, to refute the philosophy of that. There's a lot of philosophy in our day. There's these even worshiping of angels and different, all kinds of uh, nonsense out in this world that needs to be refuted. So there was a refutation, but there was also instruction. Go with me to chapter 3. And he deals with these, and this is where the message will be birthed out of. He dealt with three areas. He dealt with personally, he dealt privately, and also professionally. Now, the first one has to do with holiness. The second one had to do with the home. And the third one had to do with the heart. And that's where we're going to focus in tonight. But notice when he, he, he deals with this here by way of instruction. We all need instruction, by the way. We need personal instruction. Now, when you think about this, he was talking about holiness. Look at verse number 5. From verse 5 down to verse 17, I'm not going to read it all, but I encourage you to. He said to mortify, in other words, put to death. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concubinance, and covetousness, which is idolatry. What's he talking about? He's talking about our personal walk with God. God didn't give us a suggestion. He gives us instruction right here personally to walk in holiness. Preacher, why should I do that? The Lord said, be ye holy, for I am holy. Will we ever reach perfection? Absolutely not, but we're to strive for that. Amen. You're to strive for holiness. So he dealt personally with holiness, but then he dealt privately with the home. You can go down to verse number 18 through verse number 21. He deals with the wives and, and the husbands and the children and the fathers. He gave a structure of the home, and that was in the private section. So personally... He dealt, and the key was holiness from verse 5 to verse 17. And then here privately from verse 18 to verse number 21 of chapter number 3, he deals privately with the home in relation to the wives and the husband and the children and the fathers. But then finally here in our text tonight, verse 22 to verse number 25, he dealt, I believe, professionally, and the heart is the main issue before us tonight, notice here as we read again, there's several things still, you could break it down four ways with the verse 22, 23, 24, and 25, and they all start with A. We think about the advice that he gave. Look at the advice that he laid down in verse number 23. He said, servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, but not with eye, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. Now, we would like liken this unto our day in the secular world, in the secular sense. This would be likened unto the employee and employer relationship. And the Lord said here, he gives the advice to obey unto the servants in all things your masters according 
to the flesh. He's talking about that employer-employee relationship. So there's advice that's handed out. But then there's an admonition in verse number 23. And that admonition is, that's basically authoritative counsel. That's what the Lord tells us to do. Now get this in verse 23. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Now that whatsoever you do, you know what that is? That is blanket coverage. Whatsoever ye do. If you're working, do it unto the Lord. If you're serving, do it unto the Lord. If you're teaching, do it unto the Lord. If you're witnessing, do it unto the Lord. When you're talking to your neighbor, do it as unto the Lord. That whatsoever is a blanket, it's a coverall. And there was an admonition there to do it heartily as to the Lord. So we see the advice of verse 22. You see the admonition of verse number 24, verse 23. But look at the assurance in verse number 24. Knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. There's the assurance. He said knowing. There's some things that we ought to know. And there is a reward that is coming, whether good or whether bad. There's going to be a reward that's going to be coming. So he gives the advice to obey, the admonition to do it heartily as to the Lord. He gives the assurance in knowing, but notice the absence in verse number 25. The absence of what, preacher? The absence of favoritism. What are you talking about? Look at verse 25 as we read it. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of God. Persons. (laughs) That's to the layman. That's to the preacher. That's to the deacon. That's to the Sunday school teacher. That's to everybody. Amen. There's the absence of favoritism. We see the advice, the admonition, the assurance, and the absence. And I believe the key is this. We ought to give our absolute best. Whatever we do, we're to do it. As unto the Lord. And I understand the context of this. I believe he's dealing professionally here with the heart in in, in relation to the employer and the employee. And I could give the title tonight, Giving Your Best, and it would work. But tonight as you look at this, I want to look at verse 23 again. And I want to hone in on one word. Notice in verse 23. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. That word heartily means sincere. It means genuine. It means thoroughly with all of our heart. The book of Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 5 puts it this way. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in singleness of your heart as under Christ. I believe the Lord is dealing with split loyalties here. He's talking about do it heartily as unto the Lord. Do it sincerely, genuinely, thoroughly, not with just part of your heart or a piece of your heart, but with all of our heart. Tonight, I want to preach on this thought for just a little bit because he deals with the heart several times in those four verses that we read. I want to preach on spiritual heart failure. Spiritual Heart failure, or what causes spiritual heart failure. I look this up, and think about this in in, in our day, even today in which we're living. I really didn't have updated results. These go back to 2018. But they tell us that 6.2 million people here in the United States are dealing with heart failure. I'm talking about literal heart failure today. 
That's what people deal with. There's a lot of causes. We may look at some of those. But in 2018, 379,800 people died as a result of heart failure. That's what was placed on the death certificate. 379,800 people. Now, according to the CDC, some $30.7 billion is the annual cost to address the health care of this heart failure and the issues that's behind it. Now, think about this. If you get to the point where you're immobile and you don't exercise much, man, you're going to be a prime candidate for heart failure. Some of it has to do with your diet. Man, if they cut red meat out on me one day, son, they might as well bury me. Now, I'm just beyond. I love some hamburger. I love them fillets and them ribeyes. That's good stuff. Hamburger is. That may not be your cup of tea, but it is mine. And a lot of folks like sodium. But all that you're dieting, exercise and even sodium can, can cause problems and it'll cause heart failure. But there's also causes to spiritual heart failure. So there's three of them tonight that I'm going to give you. Notice here as he said, get it again in verse 23, and whatsoever you do, there's that blanket, doesn't matter what you're doing, we ought to do it as unto the Lord because I believe that this message certainly can be applied as we serve the Lord. Do you understand you're saved? You say, preacher, I'm saved by the grace of God. You can still grow dull. (laughs) Your light can still become dim. Your light can still be put under a bushel, and that's not what God intended for us. He said, let your light so shine before. And I use that verse today. I just I come in, and I seen somebody that I knew over here at Southern's, and they come in and said, man, we pulled in. We seen that glow coming off your head. And I said, man, I'm just trying to be biblical. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. God's purpose is for our light to shine. I understand my head's probably shining now with all these lights. I get it. But listen, our purpose is to shine. It's not to be covered up. But whatever we do, we ought to do it heartily as unto the Lord. We have scheduled revival meetings. Sometimes we have different things along the way. Why? Because it's to keep us sharp. It's to make sure that we keep on pushing forward for the glory of God. Because listen, folks, your soul is saved, but this old flesh is still weak. There's still a battle. There's still a struggle that you're going to face and I'm going to face as long as we're in it. But there's three reasons, I believe three causes, that'll cause spiritual heart failure. And they go sort of something like this. There's competition, there's repetition, and there's superstition. Those three things. You say, well, man, I, that, that don't hit me. You just wait. I believe it might. It, it sure did hit me. When I'm reminded of this text and I look at it, the Lord said, whatever you do, do it heartily, genuinely. Hey, man, with all of your heart, thoroughly, sincerely. That's what God expects of us. And, and there's things that will cause spiritual heart failure even to the child of God. One of them is competition. I've already given you the three points. I'm just going to expound upon them just a minute. We go into the house. When it comes to competition, there's things that compete for the attention of our heart. Now you take a, doesn't matter if you're playing dodgeball, doesn't matter if you're playing cornhole or basketball or football, you put two individuals or a team and and they're competing one against the other. At the end of the day, most time there's not many ties. Somebody is going to win out. You do understand tonight that there's a competition for my, I'm saved by the grace of God. I know what the Lord done for me. But there's a competition, Brother Brandon, for my heart. They both start with S. 
Satan's competing for it. And our Savior is competing for our heart. Reminds me of that old Indian. I've shared this numerous times. The best way I can explain this. The old Indian had two dogs. He went around. I'm not endorsing dog fighting and all that stuff. But he, w- he went around and he went to these dog fights. And well, sometimes he'd go to a weekend and a white dog would win. Then he'd go the next weekend and a black dog would win. He always put the money on the dog that's going to win. And, and folks couldn't figure it out. and said, well, man, the white one won last weekend. The black one won this week. How do you know which one's going in? The old Indian said, man, that's easy. He said, the one I feed during the week wins out on the weekend. Chew on that a minute. If you're saved by the grace of God, you got two natures. <laughs> you got old fleshly nature, and you got a spiritual nature, and there's a constant struggle. Don't tell me it ain't an issue. The apostle Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am, Romans chapter number 7. He said, man, that what I should be doing, I ain't doing, and that, that which I shouldn't be doing, that's what I find myself doing. There was a constant struggle. The one that we feed is going to win out because there's a competition. There's a competition from Satan. There's a competition from the Savior. And what will cause spiritual heart failure is competition. Think about Satan. How do we know that? Well, think about Ananias and Sapphira, Acts chapter 5, and verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine not head, not his stomach, filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? What did Satan go after? He went after his heart. Again, our heart, according to Jeremiah chapter number 7, or 17, he, our heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Don't get to trust in your heart too much. You better trust God's Word. You better trust the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible said that He'll guide us into all truth. John 16, verse number 13. The Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. But He'll never be a contrary to the written Word of God. The Spirit of God and the Scriptures will always be in harmony one with the other. But Satan competes for the heart, but also the Savior competes for the heart. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 22 and verse 37. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. The Lord said, Hey, you're to love the Lord with all your heart. There's a competition there. The Lord wants not just part of our heart. He wants it all. And again, the Colossians right here, the Apostle Paul says in verse number 23, And whatsoever you do, that blanket, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto me. And we're to do it sincerely. We're to do it genuinely and thoroughly with all of our heart. There's a competition that will cause spiritual heart failure if you feed old Satan and old Slewfoot, if you feed the flesh and the world and the devil, if you feed on that stuff, man, it'll cause spiritual heart failure in your life through the competition. I'd ask you this question. I don't know you can answer this. If you could write down a percentage, and only you can answer this question, you can't answer it for me, and I can't answer it for you. If you were to put down a percentage, what percentage of your heart, I'm talking about your heart, belongs unto the Lord? 10? 10%? 20%? 40%? 50%? 70%? 80%? Where's your heart at? Now, the Bible tells us where our heart is. You say, hey, no, listen to what Jesus said. Over there in Matthew 6, verse number 21, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. <laughs> I've said this before, and it is so true. And I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't ever do this, because I don't, I don't know who gives what. It makes no difference between you and the Lord. 
heard a preacher say one time, said, I can tell you exactly where your heart is. And he's right. He really was. He said, let me see your checkbook. He said, I can tell you where your heart is. Where your treasury is, there will your heart be also. Where's our competition at? Has Satan got us or has the Savior God's competition will cause spiritual heart failure. But not only that, not only competition, but what about repetition? You say, well, what's repetition? Now, we learn by repetition. You've heard me say this. Sometimes we learn and we say over and over sometimes the same things. But when it comes to repetition, our hearts, it doesn't mean you lose your salvation, but we can become dull. We can, even as believers, we can become apathetic. Absolutely we can. And uh, that's why it's so important to stay plugged in. But you can get into the routine mindset. The mechanical mode. Look at the church in Ephesus, the seven churches that Jesus addressed. Revelation 2, Revelation chapter number 3, those seven churches in Asia Minor. The first one he dealt with was the church in Ephesus. That was a scriptural church. It was a suffering church. Man, it, it, was, it, was, a, it was a strengthened church. But it was a sad church because in Revelation 2... Verse 4, Jesus said, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against it because I has left thy first love. That word left is intentional. Well, what happened? They were, they, were, they were doing it out of a sense of duty, Brother Harold, but not out of a sense of devotion. And there's a difference between the two. Now, again, we're talking about serving the Lord tonight. Competition will cause spiritual heart failure if you're not submitted totally unto the Lord, but repetition. You can get to the point in your Christian life, preachers have had it, singers have had it, Sunday school teachers, I'm sure van drivers have had it, I'm sure vacation Bible school workers have had it, I'm sure anybody that does anything for the Lord, if you're not careful, you'll get in that pattern where you just do things out of duty rather than devotion. I do believe, and I don't know know anybody that would argue this fact, I think that is probably the number one single thing that the church is dealing with today. Is repetition. They're there and they're doing it, but they're doing it out of sense of duty rather than a sense of devotion. And there is a difference. And it'll cause spiritual heart failure. Listen to what Jesus said. Matthew chapter number 6 and verse number 7 in relation to prayers. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of, before ye ask him. He talks about vain repetition. What is vain? That's something that's useless. Vain repetition, just filling space. When you talk to the Lord privately or publicly, don't just pray to fill space. Don't do it out of duty, but do it out of devotion with a heartfelt. Whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. Repetition. We'll certainly do it. Our prayer life should run deeper than words. It's the attitude of the heart as we're conversing and communicating with God. Again, I believe repetition, just that, just that mechanicalism, I believe that's the number one thing that's probably hurting the church today. It's not, I don't think anybody robbed any banks today. I hope nobody's out dealing with cocaine. I mean, that's amazing. They can do all kinds of things to the White House, but if you can bring cocaine in, you can't even figure out who brought it. I don't know how we got off on all that, but it just is what it is. I don't think anybody's doing any. I don't think anybody coming here drunk with alcohol tonight or, or cuss somebody out that I hope you didn't. 
But how many times we come in here and we just come in just out of a sense to do? We're here. We're in our place. We're in our. And I'm glad you're in your spot. I'm glad you're in your place. But we got to guard against this thing, man, because you can even come to the house of God and you can be spiritually bankrupt and dead. Amen. I mean, you can be saved and born again, but just dull as a stick. Amen. What causes spiritual heart failure? Competition. Satan's after our heart. The Savior's after our heart. What percentage has he got of me? What percentage has he got of you? Sometimes repetition. We'll do it and just doing it out of duty rather than devotion. We all need to check up in that department front. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. If you're saved, you've got to guard against that stuff about repetition. But what about superstition? I ain't superstitious, really. Turn over to Acts chapter number 17. Acts 17. We all got a little bit of this too, by the way. When it comes to spiritual heart failure, the Lord said, whatever you do, do it heartily. Do it sincerely. Do it genuinely, thoroughly with all your heart. That blanket, whatever you're doing. But tonight we're focusing in on our service. What causes spiritual uh, uh, heart failure? Well, it can be competition. It can be repetition. But it can be superstition. What is super? Well, that's belief in objects that are not worthy of our worship. Everybody get that? Superstition is a belief in objects that are not worthy of our worship. Acts 17, verse number 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars, he and said, Ye men of Athens... I perceive that in all things you're too superstitious. Here he walks through Athens and he's at Mars Hill and he looks at all these little G gods that are placed. I mean, they got one probably there for Jupiter and they got one for all the, the Shemosh and all the fake gods, Diana and all those things are lining the hillside there in Athens. And Paul comes in he said, not just in some area. He said in all things, you're too superstitious. Verse 23. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar under this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him declare unto you. I believe what they were doing. The, the little G God's brother, how that they knew about, they placed them up. But just in case they, they, they forgot about one, Brother Wayne, they put one here, uh, the name of the unknown God, just so that they could make sure they got everybody covered. No doubt there was carvings. No doubt there were statues made with man's hands laid up there. And they were worshiping those things, those little G-gods. Look with me, verse number 24. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is worship with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth all life and breadth, and all things. Hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. Verse 28, I love, for in him, upward, directional, the Lord, for in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. But look at verse 25, neither is men, neither is worship with men's hands. He's talking about the true and living God. He's not worshipped by men's hands. 
Well, preacher, I'm not superstitious. Do you know that that'll cause spiritual heart failure? Superstition. Belief in objects that are not worthy of our worship. What about a piece of property? What about a home? What about a boat? What about a gun? What about a pocketbook? <laughs> what about a fishing rod? You could, what about a golf club? You could, what about a, a, a baseball bat? A basketball? A football? You could go on and... What about a career? You could go on and on and on and on. A lot of times say, well, I don't worship this, but a lot of folks do. Amen. And it is a cause of spiritual heart failure. Yeah, and sometimes you can't, I'm not getting on to you. I'm just, I'm preaching what God, because listen, I need this just as much as anybody else. Sometimes we come in and man, the, uh, I mean, the songs are right. Maybe the message is right. But we're flat as a flat tire. Oh, yeah. Amen. The spiritual air is out of us. Well, I ain't getting nothing. A lot of times you might look back, there might have been some competing going on during the week. <laughs> Instead of feeding the Savior, you fed old Satan. He competed for your heart and you gave in. The flesh, the world, and the devil, you come in dead as a stick, you leave dead as a stick. Because of competition. Sometimes by repetition. Oh yeah, preacher, I'm coming. I've done my civil duty. I've come to the house of God. I believe being faithful to the house of God. That's where you ought to. And you can get some help from another world. But you can come in just and sit down and go through the motions, just that mechanical mode, no feeling, doing it out of duty rather than devotion, and still be spiritually dead as a stick. <laughs> Competition, repetition, and then superstition. They come in and say, oh, how I love Jesus. But our mindset is somewhere else because we put our belief in, a, in something that is not worthy of our, of our worship. Sister Savannah's coming. You don't get nothing else. Get this tonight. The Lord tells us in verse number three, verse number 23 in Colossians chapter 3. He put that blanket. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily. That's sincerely. That's genuinely. That's thoroughly with all your heart. You say, preacher, man, I'm doing good today. Well, praise the Lord. Well, you might get knocked down this week and something's going on. There's going to be some competition going on. You're going to have to guard against repetition. You're going to have to guard against superstition. And that goes on all the time. And we'll deal with that until the day that we die. I shared not too long ago about that little fella. little fella that was going down. He got saved, Brother, uh, uh, brother Travis. He got saved by the grace of God and went down the river to be baptized. And the preacher put him under the water. And he, came, he said, glory to God, I'll never sin again. And the preacher said, hey, man, if that's going to happen, I'm going to have to hold you under the water a little bit longer. What's that mean, preacher? long as we're in this life, there's going to be competition. There's going to be repetition. There's going to be superstition. I'm not getting on to now. I'm just telling you this is what God gave to me. I struggle in these areas. Probably all of us are. But, man, listen, the Lord Jesus, can I just say this? He is worthy of not just part of our worship, but all of our He still marched up Calvary's Hill over 2,000 years ago. He did it for me. If it had just been me, he'd have did it. If it had just been you, Brother Randy, he'd have did it for you. That's how much love that he had for this world. Now, how much? What percentage of our heart are we giving to the Lord? 10%, 20%, 30%, 40 50 60 80 90. What percent of our heart are we giving 
unto the Lord. One day when we stand into his presence, there will be absence of favoritism. There's no respect to persons. The opportunities that we had, the mercy that God extended, the grace that he extended to you and I. And above all tonight, if you're here, you've never been saved, man, that's your greatest need is to trust Christ. But if you are saved, whatever we do, whether it's a conversation on Facebook, whether it's a conversation on the phone, whether it's tomorrow morning when you punch a clock and you go in, whether you're coming through those doors through the house of God, whether you're a greeter or whether you're singing in the choir, whether you're a Sunday school teacher, whether you work in the sound, whether you're feeding the kids, whatever you do, a teaching on Wednesday night, we've got to make sure we do it heartily, sincerely, genuinely, thoroughly, with all our heart. That makes all the difference in the world. As we stand all over the house tonight, let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you, Lord, for the privilege just to pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. God, you've challenged my heart here in this area. I pray, God, you'd speak to us all. Lord, help us never to get to that point of duty and rather than devotion. God, help us as we have things that compete against us. Those superstitions, those beliefs and objects that are not worthy of worship. Lord, we've all got them. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to rid ourselves of these things. Help us to be more committed unto you, Lord. God, as we serve you, help us to be the very best that we can be for your honor and your glory. And God, we'll be careful to give you thanks and praise. Save that sinner now. This nearest hell, help the saints of God, and we'll praise you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Hello, friends. This is Brian Poindexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church, located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service. And every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat and meet service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation. They prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. 
Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You must understand that you are loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16, it said, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16 and verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Romans 10 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. Romans 10 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask him to save you. And I say, preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? But first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, Broken in a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them. If you believe Jesus died for your sins, and if you asked him to save you, then the Bible declares you've been saved. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been forgiven of all your sin. Romans 8, 1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Once a person has been saved, they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible-believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us, and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here. And may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.